bringing attention to the present. Notice the feelings of arriving in the temple, sitting down, hearing my voice, feeling the mood of this present experience. Here it is. It's like this. Developing the practice is a lot to do with continuously, steadily appreciating the quality of the present, the present moment, the present experience. In this moment, is exactly this way. When people ask me, "How are you?" I usually say, "Like this," which is possibly taken as being a bit too clever. But it's true also. When people say, how are you? The reality for all of us is, it's like this. To let go of our preoccupations, the busyness of our thinking, caught up in the particular moods, ideas, thoughts, to notice in this moment, it's this way. This feeling of energy or tiredness, disappointment, interest, neutral feeling, neutral moods. Developing the practice of the Dhamma, seeing with the eye of Dhamma, is based upon this attention to the present reality, this field of experience. Letting go of the content of what is seen, heard, smelt, tasted, touched, thought, remembered, imagined, Letting go of the content, loosening the grip on the content, to notice the process of experiencing. We use the reflections on anicca, dukkha, anatta, change, uncertainty, anicca, unsatisfactoriness, dukkha. A feeling of incompleteness or not quite rightness or it shouldn't be this way-ness. I wish it was different from this-ness. Dukkha. Anatta, not self. We use these reflections, these tilakana, the three characteristics of all existent things as a way of loosening the grip, softening the obsession with the content of what we see and hear, think, feel, remember. To loosen that grip so that the mind notices what we like and recognizes this is the feeling of liking. Notice what we dislike. This is the feeling of disliking. 
It's a mental event. The pattern of experience, liking, disliking, takes shape in this way. It's a mental event. It's felt here, in the sphere of this awareness. Arises, takes shape, dissolves. So we're not blotting out the content altogether. We're not making ourselves numb or insensitive. We're not trying to just disassociate, disconnect in a foolish way from what we see here, smell, taste and touch, but rather just holding rather than grasping. Knowing rather than obsessing. Seeing, feeling rather than identifying, taking everything in terms of I and me and mine. I think, I see, I feel, I remember, I know, I don't know. I am, I have. The being self, the owning self, the deciding self, the narrative self of our own story, our age, our name, our gender, our nationality, To see all of those I am's can only be relative truths. They're patterns of perception, experience arising, passing away. I can say I am British, but is the carbon dioxide that I just breathed out, is that British? If you breathe it in and you happen to be American or French, Thai, German, Italian? Does it suddenly become Italian, carbon dioxide, French, German, American? It's ridiculous. All these identities can only be partial truths, convenient fictions. So the reflections upon anatta are helping the citta, the heart, to recognize that actuality. These are just conventions, forms that are designated into existence, giving it a name, a label, Monday. That's all. It's a form with no substance, like a lump of foam or a water bubble, a mirage, As we apply these reflections on anicca, dukkha, anatta, uncertainty, unsatisfactoriness, not self. It's not just a matter of applying the formula. We need to be reminded of this. We can be very obedient to the methods of meditation, very sincere, very determined, very energetic, doing the right thing, following the instruction, doing what we should, practicing well, practicing hard, putting a lot of heart into the method, but not recognizing the effects of that. So as we apply these reflections, 
moment by moment, considering, is this certain or uncertain? Is this a sure thing? Oh. The heart recognizes, how could it be a sure thing? There's an attunement to the reality. Can this delicious memory, can this stay? Can I keep this? Can it remain permanently pleasing, good, delightful? It can't. Oh. What is the me that is experiencing this moment? The me that chooses to practice. What does that me look like? Where is it? Does it have an age, a gender, a name? Is there anything there? Oh. So with these reflections, using these ways of investigating the field of experience, the flow of experience, it's the, oh, that's the key part. That's the change of heart that comes when the Dhamma is recognized, when the eye of Dhamma is opened. Seeing the Dhamma. And essentially, it's the Dhamma knowing itself. The very fabric, the very nature of this citta, this heart, this mind is Dhamma. It's not a person doesn't belong to a person. The mind is Dhamma. When the eye of Dhamma is opened, it means seeing this mind, this heart, in a true way. Dhamma knowing its own nature, essentially. When we hear this word, Dhamma, and as Lumpur Sumedho has been pointing out a lot in recent weeks and months, that Dhamma is unimaginable. The mind can't create an image for that. But it's the fundamental fabric of reality. It's the, the great refuge, that which upholds, that which integrates the integrative principle of all things, the nothing which supports everything, as one person put it. And then the thinking mind can, can wander, can pursue, what is the Dhamma? What is, what is that? What is Dhamma? But even framing things, investigating or looking at it in that way can give a, a false impression, an unhelpful impression, turning the Dhamma into a concept, an idea. Or rather than pursuing the question, what is Dhamma? We can reflect, this is this very heart, this mind, this knowing quality, this is the Dhamma, it's not somewhere else. The very fabric, foundation of this mind, this knowing quality, it's here, this is it. 
This is the Dhamma. It's not some magical, mysterious quality somewhere else that's out of reach. It's this, the very foundation of this life of ours. This is the Dhamma, right here. Can't be anywhere else. Uh, along with the characteristics of existence, of anicca, dukkha, anatta, and the teachings point to other qualities as well. The Buddha said, whether or not a Tathagata arises in the world, whether or not there is a Buddha in the world, then these qualities persist, they're ever-present, they pertain. Dhammatitata, the presence, the stability of the Dhamma. The Dhamma is ever-present, timeless, apparent here and now. Dhammatitata, Dhammaniyamata, there's an orderliness to that principle, that quality, that fundamental reality. Niyama means a law or a pattern, a reliable order. So all things function according to that natural law. They're Dhamma Jati, born of the Dhamma. Dhamma Niyamata. They function according to the, the laws of nature. There's an orderliness, a patent quality to all experience. Everything, inside, outside, coarse, fine, pure or impure, pleasant or unpleasant, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought, feeling, memory, Profound states of concentration, states of agitation and discord, they all follow absolutely perfectly the laws of nature. They're Dhamma Niyamata. And the other of these particular group of characteristics of existence is Idapachayata. Things function according to the laws of conditionality. One thing affects another. One thing causes another. Things are related, interconnected. They affect each other according to the laws of conditionality. Idda pachayata. One thing conditions another. So these are also ways we can reflect upon the field of experience. Our thoughts, our emotions, our memories, our sensations. The body coming, going, standing still, sitting, walking, lying down. Breathing, eating. Being quiet, being active. Amidst all of it, there is the presence of the Dhamma. Dhamma titata. Stability, presence, reliability 
of the Dhamma. Dhammaniyamata, things are patterned according to the laws of nature. They are ordered, formed according to the way nature works. And they interrelate, they interreact, affect each other according to those same laws. They are idapachayata. They affect each other. In the same way, when we consider these reflections, these ways of exploring, investigating the experience of the present reality, these help the mind to loosen that grip, to not take things personally. Seeing with the eye of Dhamma means seeing from a Dhamma-centered perspective, a nature-centered perspective, rather than a self-centered one. It shifts the view, changes the, the angle of view. And in that change of view, that shift, notice the effect that that has. Because of this, there is that. Here is the cause, here is the effect. That's all. When things are not taken personally, there's a spaciousness, an ease, a peacefulness. Even in the world of activity and engagement, there's an orderliness, a patternedness that brings with it a quality of great peace, ease freedom. Dukkha is that feeling that things shouldn't be this way, things are out of order, the universe is out of shape. When things are seen with the eye of Dhamma, when the Dhamma is recognized, then with that comes that sense of orderliness, that direct realization of how could anything be out of order? Even painful, difficult things. We see that This is how nature works. Letting go of that personal perspective, seeing things in terms of nature, then even those painful, challenging aspects become far easier to work with, to be with, to be at peace with. 